Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Take talk with you anywhere with the all-new Talk 1370 app. Listen to your favorite shows, keep up with the latest breaking news, and more. Search for Talk 1370 in the App Store or find the links at talk1370.com. It's anywhere I need. Talk 1370, the right choice. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good afternoon, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. The anti-gun community gets a victory because Springfield Armory and Rock River Arms stabs the Second Amendment community in the back. We will talk with John Bach from Truth About Guns about what is happening in the state of Illinois, the land of so-called Lincoln. Also, Mossberg has a new shotgun, a Mossberg 590 Shockwave. For those of you looking on Facebook, it looks just like this. This is it right here. Well, that 12-gauge pump shotgun, MSRP 455, it has a capacity of six shells. That's right, six-shot shells with a six-heavy walled 14-inch barrel choke cylinder bore. It weighs 5.25 pounds and measures at 26.37 inches in length. Well, apparently, it's made in Texas, but it's illegal to own in Texas. So we're going to talk about that and what are we doing to make sure that this Mossberg shockwave becomes legal in the Lone Star State. All right, so before we talk about Mossberg, let's go back and let's talk about Springfield Army. Let me welcome to the show John Bach. John Bach is the one of the writers at Truth About Guns. So, John, what in the world is going on with Illinois and Springfield, and why in the world am I reading about the fact that there's a victory in the state of Illinois? Well, Mr. Cargill, thanks for having me on. Uh, all I can say is that politics in Illinois is kind of like herding cats. And uh, in this particular case, uh, the uh, Illinois Farms Manufacturing Association, a lobbying group funded exclusively by Rock River Arms and Springfield Armory, um, looks as though they cut a deal with uh, the anti-gun Democrats to uh, go neutral on a dealer licensing bill in exchange for an exemption for manufacturers from that bill. And that bill would uh, impose all kinds of rules and regulations and expensive requirements upon uh, all dealers. And it also enacts a universal background check system in the state of Illinois, and it also rations guns 
uh, gun transfers, rather, to non-dealers. Uh, basically, all the civilians in Illinois will be limited to nine firearm transfers a year. That includes buying, selling. If you trade, that counts, too. And if you get that 10th uh, transfer over the course of a year, you'll spend more time in prison than those south side gangbangers who uh, shoot people in Chicago. Okay, hold on a second. We've got to break this down. Okay, you're saying that as a gun dealer, an FFL dealer, you can only transfer nine firearms per year? No, the dealers uh, will have all kinds of rules and regulations. The non-dealers in Illinois, the everyday citizens, the, the 2.1 million Floyd card holders in Illinois, all of them would be limited to nine transfers per year. If you have an estate with more than nine guns, you're out of luck. Uh, if you want to sell some guns to go to college, uh, you're out of luck. If you just have hard times, again, you're out of luck. You can do nine transfers a year, and that is it. Uh, that 10th transfer is going to be a felony, and you go to prison on that. So we're talking about buying or selling firearms. You know, just Buying or selling, plus it's universal background check rolled in. There's no, uh, under this bill, there would be no such thing as a private transfer of a firearm. You'd have to run them all through a dealer, pay dealer, uh, dealer fees on the transfers, and go through the background checks and all that stuff. Whereas uh, right now, we can sell products back and forth to one another as uh, law-abiding civilians. Uh, and frankly, it's my opinion that it's none of the government's business uh, when or who or how many guns you buy or sell privately. This, this is just crazy. Okay, I'm, 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 just, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around this because I, 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 I'm about to explode over here. Okay, so <laughs> let me, let's slow down a little bit because that's, that's a lot. Okay. Yes, yes. Yes, it's a lot. It's kind of a Bloomberg's uh, a complete laundry list rolled into one bill, sadly. Okay, so run that through us one more time from the beginning. So in the state of Illinois. State of Illinois, under this new proposal, dealers would have all kinds of uh, rules and regulations imposed on how they do business, uh, the security of their stores, the fees that they're required to pay their employees would have to be background checked, including the guy that plows the parking lot would have to pass a background check and pay fees to do all this stuff to the state of Illinois. And the state police would be able to uh, establish through rulemaking all these rules and regulations that are going to be very expensive and it's probably going to drive half or two-thirds of the dealers in the state of Illinois out of business. In addition to all the rules and regulations to the dealers, it also a series of uh, onerous uh, obstacles to everyday citizens, including that nine transfer per year limit, um, the uh, uh, universal background check, basically the end of private gun transfers between private individuals, all that stuff. Uh, it's implemented upon the state of Illinois if it gets through the House and if the governor signs it. And we beat this back last year uh, with everybody on board. But this year, uh, the lobbyist for the Illinois Firearms Manufacturers Association decided to cut this deal. And that has got a lot of people very angry. I've got a question. What's the legislature look like there in Illinois? Like, what's the makeup? And, and the legislature. And I guess before Springfield and them got involved, was this bill going to pass, period? So had they In not got opinion, involved, what would have passed? Well, let me answer your first question first. The state of Illinois is a deep uh, blue state. 
Uh, we're just a couple of uh, elected representatives in both the House and the Senate of the Democrats having a supermajority. Uh, Illinois is kind of unique, though, and it's more geographic than party-affiliated. There's a lot of downstate Democrats that are very solidly pro-gun, and there's a couple of very squishy Republicans up in the suburbs of Chicago. Uh, back to your question, would it have passed? Um, it didn't pass last year. We beat it back all standing together. And uh, this year it looked like it wasn't going to pass. And uh, in a committee hearing in March, the sponsor of the bill asked the manufacturers if they would be willing to uh, um, take a second look at their opposition to the bill if they got an exemption. And the lobbyist said he would. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. They picked up uh, the last couple of votes, and it passed by exactly – one vote, uh, 30, 30 votes it got, kind of like the 30 pieces of silver. Interesting. So who, who originally proposed the uh, the bill? Do we know that? The bill was sponsored by Senator Don Harmon. He's a rabidly anti-gun uh, Democrat here in the state of Illinois in the Senate. He's very much like Leland Yee out in California, to give your listeners an idea of his uh his uh, philosophy when it comes to the Second Amendment and uh, everyday people having the right to keep and bear arms. Gotcha. So it's it's kind of a complicated issue because at first I was trying to decide whether or not we need to be drilling Rock River in, San, uh, in Springfield about this because if, if it was going to pass regardless, I understand that they were just trying to do whatever they can to, to keep their business afloat, you know? Well, well, I don't think it, it. I don't think it would have gotten through the Illinois Senate if we all would have stood shoulder to shoulder. Uh, you know Benjamin Franklin's old expression: "If we don't hang together, we'll surely hang separately." And that's uh, that's the reason I believe it got through the Illinois Senate, and it gave the anti-gunners a badly needed win. Uh, I mean, they haven't been able to win anything since the election of Donald Trump. Uh, they a whole lot of them come to the state of Illinois. We've got. Believe it or not, we've got a dozen anti-gun organizations in the state of Illinois lobbying for gun control right now. Half a dozen of those are national organizations. Many of them have sent their uh, Washington, D.C. lobbyists to Springfield. They're working out of hotels because there's no gun control to pass in uh, Washington, D.C., so they've come to Illinois where they think they can pass something. And uh, this uh, skullduggery of the Firearms Manufacturers Association has given them a win that they badly needed, and that's uh, that's troubling uh, all by itself. Now, you know, it, it's funny how we repeat, you know, history repeats itself, because this really sounds familiar. Um, it, it sounds like a, another company. Who did that? Yeah, once back. Once yeah, kind of like Smith and Wesson. Wesson. Smith and Wesson. Back in, yes, uh, way back when under Clinton. You betcha. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, their sales tanked to the tune of about forty percent after they uh, announced that deal with the devil. And uh, I don't know what Springfield sales are going to be like. Uh, you know, I don't want to see Springfield go out of business, but. If Springfield's going to stab us in the back, then, uh, you know, if gun owners don't want to buy their products, I understand. And, frankly, I'm kind of in that boat myself. Yeah, so Springfield did, I mean, uh, uh, Smith & Wesson did this, and it definitely backfired on them. So I, I definitely, I can see how this is going to backfire on Springfield and also Rock River Arms. So I, I can see people saying, you know what, we're not going to buy your products if that's how you're going to treat us. You're going to stab us in the back. You're not going to stand with us and, and stand against the anti-gun community when, when we need you the most. Uh, then we don't need your product at all. 
Exactly. And uh, the thing is, though, uh, in talking with uh, Rock River, there's a bunch of industry people I've been talking to. Rock, Rock River said they hadn't even been in contact with this IFMA lobbyist for for months, and uh, they just trusted that he was going to be doing the right thing, and they were completely flat-footed and caught off guard by this. So I I got to think that, uh, you know, Rock River is just appalled by what happened. And so I'm not sure that, you know, Rock River's got quite the culpability of Springfield, which released a very mealy-mouthed statement after this story broke uh, Thursday night, uh, saying that they will continue to support uh, the uh, right to keep and bear arms for gun owners, gun dealers, and gun manufacturers right after they stabbed us in the back. So, you know, Springfield at this point has pretty much dug themselves a very deep hole, and uh, I'm not sure if they're still digging or if they're trying to climb out of it, but I I really don't know. But they, they seem to be the ones that seem to have greater culpability here than Four Rock River. Now, what's the what's the backstory on this lobbying organization that actually did this, the one that actually so, fell by the wayside? Yeah, the, it's a, a lobbying organization put together and created by Rock River Arms and Springfield Armory about 10 years ago to lobby in the Illinois General Assembly uh, for their interests. And uh, generally speaking, the lobby had been pretty much uh, solidly behind gun rights uh, the whole time. It wasn't until this uh, spring that we started hearing whispers about a, a possible deal to uh, exempt themselves. And, uh, you know, the, the rumors came very true last Thursday when, uh, when Jay Keller, their lobbyist, uh, moved his position from an opponent to the bill to uh, no position, which, uh, you know, in a witness slip for the Illinois Senate uh, hearing. And in Illinois, that's kind of a, a public uh, putting your fingerprint on the, your position on the bill, either for it, opposed to it, or no position. And it's not so much that they supported this bill, but they didn't oppose it. And there's a huge nuanced difference between uh, I didn't or I opposed the bill and I uh, had no position on a bill, or at least it is here in Illinois politics. And very frustrating. And all of this, all of this would, we wouldn't be talking today if they just stood shoulder to shoulder with uh, Gun Save Life, the NRA, and the Illinois State Rifle Association in, in opposing this bill. Now, have you talked with anyone with the Illinois State Rifle Association? Uh, I haven't talked with them directly, but uh, they, I am just 100% sure that they're standing shoulder to shoulder with the NRA ILA. Uh, Gun Save Life and, uh, uh, you know, the National Shooting Sports Foundation is also here in Illinois helping out. Uh, and I have no reason to think that they're anything but absolutely shoulder to shoulder with us. They've been there in the Capitol every day with the NRA and with Gun Save Life. And they're doing, doing God's work just like the rest of us. It's just that, uh, we had this, uh, looks like this lobbyist went rogue or I don't know if maybe Springfield, uh, worked with him on it. I don't know. That's that's a lot of questions that we're, we're waiting for answers for. And uh, I don't know a lot of this stuff, but I do know that a lot of people are very upset uh, for them trading a carve-out for themselves for selling the rest of us down the river. Now, what do you, what do you think people should do around the country as, as a backlash to this? What do you, not what you think they should do. What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> I, I think that Springfield and Rock River are both going to do the right thing. I think they're going to come out and say, hey, we really screwed up. Uh, uh, we're reevaluating this uh, Illinois Farmers Manufacturers Association. Uh, um, I think that they're probably going to end up firing the lobbyists, which uh, I would be shocked if they didn't. 
and uh, probably going to come out and you know give a sincere uh, mea culpa apology uh, to the gun world and. I don't know, maybe they'll make a donation to NRA ILA for uh, Illinois gun rights uh, advocacy or, or for lobbying. I don't know. Uh, it is a, kind of a, uh, an offering, if you will, to the, to the gods. But uh, right now the gods are very angry with uh, Springfield. Uh, social media is blown up. The gun forums are blown up. The, the websites on the Internet, the, everybody's just up in arms about this. And Springfield's got precious few supporters out there right now and uh uh they seem to be taking the brunt of it especially with that again that that lame statement that uh Dennis Reese gave uh to the truth about guns Thursday night uh, that just uh took them from a pothole to a well uh in terms of the hole that they're in all right, hold on, John. John, we're talking with John Bach with Truth About Guns, and we're talking about Springfield Armory and Rock River Arms. Springfield Army has sold their soul to the devil in the state of Illinois. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Doug DuBois, Jr., Executive Director of the Texas State Rifle Association. You're listening to Michael Cargill and Come and Talk It Radio. up with the latest breaking news in Austin and around the world. Take a moment to make sure you're following us on Twitter at Talk1370. Let the tweeting begin! Just one more way to stay connected with Talk1370. The right choice. Talk1370. The right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right. So we're talking with John Bach. He's with Truth About Guns. And we're talking about the state of Illinois and how a bill went through the state of Illinois that's just the worst, one of the worst gun bill. It's going to be the worst gun bill in 2017 for sure. Uh, And Springfield Army has definitely sold their soul to the devil. And, John, can you give us a recap one more time of what's in this bill? The uh, the bill, as it's uh, currently uh, in the Illinois General Assembly, uh, just passed the Illinois Senate last Thursday, uh, would uh, impose all kinds of rules and regulations on all of the licensed dealers in the state of Illinois uh, under the guise of uh, state licensure, uh, basically duplicating federal law. It would also, for all the non-dealers out there, all the average everyday citizens, it would limit them to nine firearms transfers per year. It's gun rationing. It's not even one gun a month. It's nine transfers per year. Uh, it's universal uh, background checks because there's no private transfers uh, after this bill uh, should it uh, be approved. But I got to tell you, sir, we're uh, we're working hard in Illinois. Uh, that's where I'm from. We're working hard to get this thing stopped in the Illinois House and uh I got my uh, fingers crossed that we're going to be able to do so. We're working hard. We've got a lot of good people there. And I'm pretty sure that uh, Springfield Armory and Rock River are going to uh, uh, come out four square opposed to this bill from here on out. Uh, if they don't, I think they're signing their death warrants. But uh, I think they've seen the uh, writing on the wall, and uh, I hope they do the right thing. But they haven't released any public statements since that uh, lame statement by the Springfield president last Thursday night. 
All right. So now hopefully they will definitely come out and, and, and definitely change their tune a little bit because this is something that, you know, we cannot allow to happen. Uh, we, you know, it, and it's going to put, you know, gun dealers out of business. Your small mom and pops are definitely going to be put out of business because of this. And then exactly. you're telling, you know, something that's supposed to be a right. You know, it actually says the Bill of Rights. It does not say the Bill of Needs. So something that's supposed <laughs> to be a right, you're 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 definitely, you know, you're on the, the wrong side of this state of, state of Illinois, and you're definitely on the Absolutely. wrong side of it, Springfield. So come on back, Springfield. Come on back, Rock River, because we would Amen. hate to have to pull that trigger and put you in our crosshairs. Amen to that. Well, keep uh, tell your readers, or tell your listeners, rather, to keep uh, looking at the truth about guns. There's going to be some more updates uh, coming out here in the coming days that uh, are probably going to cause some people's blood to uh, boil even more. Uh, about the things that have been going on in Illinois, and uh, uh, we'll just see how it goes. But uh, I'm optimistic that Springfield and Rock River come around. Uh, I think Rock River, frankly, at this point, is just completely uh, stunned at what happened. They were, I think, I think they were sincerely out of the loop. Springfield, on the other hand, seems to be right there, uh, joined at the hip with the uh, that lobbyist, and we're going to see how this how this shakes out. But nobody really knows what's going to happen, sir. Man, I tell you what, thank you, John. I really appreciate you putting this story out there. I really appreciate you staying on top of this. And I hope you continue to contact and, and reach out to Springfield and also Rock River and put the pressure on them. Because uh, if you need help, let us know. Because I'm telling you now, we will definitely, definitely be there and, and let everyone know to, you know to either boycott them or do whatever we need to do to stop this immediately. All right. Well, thanks for having me, sir, and you have a great rest of your weekend. Hey, you too. You drive safe out there. All right. Thank you. All right. And that Bye -bye. was John Bach with Truth About Guns giving us an update on what's happening in the state of Illinois. All right. So next we're going we're gonna to get um, uh, Edwin Walker on the phone, and Edwin's going to give us an update on – well, he's actually going to educate us a little bit on Mossberg and what's going on with Mossberg 590 Shockwave. It's a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Uh, the MSRP is $455. Uh, it has a capacity of six shot shells with a six-heavy-walled 14-inch barrel choke uh, cylinder bore, and it weighs about 4.25 pounds, and it measures 26.37 inches in length. All right, but um, before we get to Edwin, let me kind of mess with somebody uh, oh, just boy. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, how'd you know? How'd you know it's coming to you? I knew it. I knew it. Well, you know, uh, you know, one of our our co-hosts uh, here in the studio is Janai, and you know, and Janai's. You know, I, I refer to Janai as like my, you know, she's my she's my cougar, you know, because oh, yeah, she's def Janai's definitely my cougar. Oh, I tell you, yeah, because Janai Janai is hot. I'm telling you, if anyone's gonna bring me to the other side, to the dark side, it would be Janai. So. <laughs> <laughs> And, and so Janai, she brought her friend with her today. My uh, friend, yes. Yeah, so who, who's your friend, Janai? <laughs> He's right here, Stephen. Hey, Stephen, what's going on? Come on to the mic, Stephen. What's going on there? All right, so. Hey, good to be here. <laughs> and so this is your friend, correct? Yes. Uh, I like how you say your friend. How do you, how do you like that, Stephen? You're the friend. <laughs> <laughs> all right, hey, hey, okay, don't don't be alone. embarrassed. It's all right. You don't have to turn Mike's color on his shirt, man. It's all right. <laughs> all right, I'll leave you alone. But no, we're we're glad you're back with us, uh, Stephen. You you're back from um, uh, going to basic training and everything, right? Yeah, I just uh, joined the National Guard about ten months ago. Wow, nice. Basic, airborne school, AIT, and all that, and just got back uh, about a week ago. Nice. So, Where'd you do basic at? 
I went to basic in uh, Fort Jackson, South Carolina. Okay. I went to Fort Benning, uh, Georgia, for Airborne School, and then I've been in AIT at Fort so Lee, Virginia. Fort Jackson, Fort Jackson. Fort Jackson is, they do, what do you do at Fort Jackson? That's, um... Hey, tell Tim Kennedy that he can do way more push-ups than him. Ooh. <laughs> now, I don't think you want that. <laughs> He's trying to get me in trouble now. Uh, you think you can take on Tim Kennedy? I mean, I'm not calling anybody out, but I, I would like to actually get into, uh... Uh, special forces. Oh, he didn't say no either. All that. He didn't say tell, no. Tell him how many push-ups you do. Okay, so so far I can do 109 in two minutes. One, no, one, what? But that's it. That's it. Oh, come on! You got to bump it up more than that. I know. I'm working on it. I'm working okay. on it. Yeah, <laughs> that's good though. You're maxed out. 80, 82 is the max, right? Is it still 82? I think it's. Last time I checked, it was like 80 something was the max. I think it's 77 actually. They lowered. The, they lowered the standard. I guess. Oh, that's sad. 77 push-ups in two minutes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Jesus, that's it. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's easy, man. I know. Yeah, that's too easy. All right, so let's let's uh, switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about Mossberg. Let's welcome to the conversation Edwin Walker uh, with Texas and U.S. Law Shield. Edwin, welcome to come and talk it, sir. Hi, Mike. All right, I want to make sure you can stand. Uh, you stand so we can hear you. We're losing you just a little bit there. Oh, okay. I can hear you perfectly fine. Oh, there we go. There we go. That's great. There we go. All right. So, uh, so Edwin, we have the Mossberg 590 Shockwave 12-gauge pump shotgun. A lot of people are interested in this firearm. We actually have 10 of these suckers in our shop right now. And I'm giving my customers a warning. I'm telling them, you know, the one thing you should do is either leave that Mossberg 590 Shockwave here inside the store uh, where we can hold on to it for you. Or if you take that sucker home, you walk outside this door, you need to remember this. That is a prohibited item in the state of Texas. You actually need a tax stamp for it um, and that you can possibly be charged with a felony because that is, you, you, well, you need a tax stamp. <laughs> Simple as that. Well, yeah, unfortunately, the status of uh, the Texas law right now is that your, your interpretation can be correct. Um, fortunately, the ATF has said it's legal for Mossberg to produce it. They're not going to interfere with anybody having it. They say, you know, they, they've officially deemed that it is not a short barrel shotgun. They've officially deemed that it is not a destructive device. Uh, therefore, it is, you know, it's, it's a legal, it's a legal firearm. Uh, they won't call it a shotgun, uh, but it is a legal firearm. However, the state of Texas, uh, in their definition of short-barreled firearm, which, uh, interestingly enough, the, the federal law has a separate definitions for shotgun and rifle. Um, Texas law has a single definition. That definition is for short-barreled firearm. And within that definition, they have combined the requirements or the characteristics that dictate a short-barreled shotgun and the characteristics that dictate a short-barreled rifle. Unfortunately, uh, what they are missing is the key that the ATF used to determine that it was not a short barrel shotgun, and that is that if you look at the Mossberg Shockwave, which I encourage everybody to go online and look at it, go to... And we're actually, we're actually holding one up here in the studio while you're talking. We're holding up a... Uh, we're holding up, holding up the Mossberg Shotgun alongside a Remington uh, 870 Tactical. So they can see the difference in length. Yes. Well, the, uh, the definition, the piece of the definition of the federal definition that is missing from the Texas definition is that it is a, a shotgun or rifle has to be one that is designed to be fired from the shoulder. 
And clearly, if the folks are looking at it there on, um, you know, on the Facebook feed, uh, they are seeing that there is no way that the Mossberg shockwave could be fired from the shoulder. I guess uh, somebody who really wanted to hurt themselves very badly could do it, uh, but it is not clearly designed to do that. I have a quick question, Edwin. Sure. Could you put a pistol brace on on that shotgun, and would it, would it be considered a pistol at that point, or no? Because I know shotguns are different than rifles. And you mean like a SIG arm brace? Yep. Um, yeah, you could do that. I believe you. Know, I, I since, think that you're since we can now shoulder like those. Same, well, I think you're looking at the exact <laughs> same logic that uh, the ATF has used in their uh, numerous descriptions and their numerous opinions on the SIG arm brace which basically, look, the SIG arm brace as an accessory, perfectly legal. You want to stick it on your handgun, uh, perfectly legal. Uh, but whenever you take it and if you say, aha, this kind of looks like a stock, so I'm going to use it as a stock, and then they actually catch you using it as a stock, uh, now you have, in their terms, redesigned the weapon to be fired from the shoulder. Therefore, it has to meet all the other requirements about barrel and overall length. I think I kind of disagree a little bit, Edwin, because if I were to take a revolver, clearly a pistol, or any, actually any, I'll, I'll say revolver just because it doesn't have a moving slide. If I were to put a revolver against my shoulder, would that now make that a rifle? No, because you haven't altered it. Exactly. So therefore, if I don't alter an AR-15 or anything like that that has a pistol brace, that I don't, I don't to me, it's the same. So I don't well, no, think no, that would hold the, up in court. No, the assembly of the, the assembly, of the arm brace is the alteration. So, yeah, I guess if you came, if there was a pistol that was designed with a built-in arm brace and they said, hey, look, it's integrated, it's a piece, it is part of the entire unit, that maybe uh, I think that would alter their interpretation because they really, really focused on, they really focused on that term is redesigned but I mean, but there's there's the some part. AR-15s that come with pistol braces on them, though. You know what I'm saying? So I, I mean, mm -hmm. would that would that be considered altering it if you put it against your shoulder? Well, that certainly would be the argument in the end. In the event that the ATF wanted to prosecute somebody for that, uh, I haven't heard of anybody being prosecuted. I really haven't even heard of anybody being threatened to be prosecuted. And I I kind of believe that the ATF would have preferred to avoid the whole conversation entirely. Uh, but people kept bugging them. They just didn't know when to stay quiet. They should have just taken the ATF's initial determination, hey, it looks legal to us, and, um, you know, you can use any colloquialism you want, let sleeping dogs lie, don't poke the bear, you know, whatever you may want to use. Well, he, well here's my question, too. Yes, if you get a yes from a bureaucrat, don't keep asking them questions. Are there any laws on the books that say you can't shoulder a pistol? Um, no, I don't think there are. Exactly. So that that's why I kind of think that if something like this were to go to court, I don't think it would hold water. Well, if we're talking about the SIG arm brace, like I said, they are going to say, did your pistol come from the factory with that arm brace? The answer is probably no. Well, did you do something to put the arm brace on it? They're like, oh, all designed the weapon. The answer would be yes. Then they would go, aha. You redesigned it to be fired from the shoulder, therefore it needed to have a tax stamp. It's the redesign, it's the activity of redesigning that you need the tax stamp for. It would be the exact same thing as if you took a hacksaw and either cut off the stock uh, of a rifle or shotgun to make it, you know, to make it shorter, 
or cut off the barrel to alter the barreling. It is it is your act is what they would be prosecuting. And so, and and just so everyone's clear, um, the ATF did send out a new letter to not SIG Brace, what are they called again? SB Tactical. Yeah, SB Tactical, to say that, well, now shouldering the brace is not illegal anymore. Correct. So they did send us some clarification on that, right, Edwin? Yes. Okay. So, and like I said, that's the, you know, it was, it was the, kept asking them questions, kept asking the ATF questions. Uh, and so finally they had to readdress the issue. Like I said, it was up to me. I would have just taken the yes and I would have gone with it. And then you at least have the argument, I didn't know you couldn't put it up to your shoulder and fire it. The ATF never told me you couldn't, but yet people kept asking them questions. And so now the ATF is officially on record saying, if you've got a cigar brace, don't stick it up to your shoulder and fire it. Otherwise, you've redesigned the weapon. So, like I said, it's always just there's some things that are better left unasked. So if you're listening out there, buy an AR-15 with a pistol brace and you're good. Well, I think as long as it came as a designed and manufactured arm brace on the pistol. Exactly. All right. So like I said, that's the act. That's the act that they're going to try to prosecute you for was the alteration. All right. We're talking with Edwin Walker with Texas and U.S. Law Shill. We're talking about the Mossberg 590 shockwave made in Texas, but it may be prohibited in Texas. This is Michael Cargill and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Hello, this is Gerald Darty, and I'm the Precinct 3 County Commissioner here in Travis County, and you're listening to Come and Talk It. If every talk radio program were the same, what would be the point? The Michael Berry Show is a little bit different. We're going to talk about politics, but we'll also talk about how great it is to live in Texas. Weekdays, 5 to 7 on Talk 1370. It's the Michael Berry Show. Hey, Austin, wake up and fly right on Talk 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're talking about the Mossberg 590 shockwave. It's made in Texas, but it's illegal to be in possession of it in Texas. And we're ha- we actually have Edwin Walker with Texas and U.S. Law Shill on the phone. He's actually breaking this down for us and explaining this. Under the federal law, you're fine under the federal law. But when it comes to the Texas state law, it is actually prohibited uh, for you to possess that shockwave in the state of texas now our call in number is 512-643-LIVE that's 512-643-5483 come and talk it because we seem to have a lot of questions online so let's go to the phone line let me go to line one james james you're on with come and talk it hi michael how you doing outstanding sir uh so yeah i just wanted to kind of i guess correct uh a little bit of what Edwin was saying, not that he's necessarily wrong. I think that what he was saying was the old uh, ATF position. Uh, so the new uh, letter from the ATF to SB Tactical uh, actually says that the you can attach an SB Tactical or SIG brace uh, to a pistol, and it will not alter the classification of a pistol. Now, for the shotgun, uh, I think it's a little bit more difficult of a question because... It's not considered a pistol. It's considered a firearm. 
Uh, it's not considered a shotgun. And these are all like little separate boxes that I can go into. Uh, so the reason why it's not any other weapon is because it is over 26 inches long and therefore it is not concealable. Uh, why they pulled up concealable, concealability at 26 inches, I have no idea, but that's the way that it seems to be written. Uh, so, I mean, I just wanted to, you know, kind of clarify uh, that you can buy an AR-15 pistol and attach a SIG brace, and you can even shoulder that because the SIG brace itself, or the SB tactical brace, is considered by the ATF to, to be a shooting aid and not a stock, even when used improperly. I think that's what isn't that what you were saying, right, Edwin? Yeah, and and like I said, that's I don't think that anybody is going to get arrested and prosecuted for having a SIG arm brace. And that's I thought we had I, I, I thought that this issue had been put to bed and we had beat this dead horse. Uh, however, uh, yeah, I know a lot of people are still you know, a little confused about it. But what your caller said is exactly right, and I agree with it. I'm, I do not think that anybody's going to be arrested and prosecuted. Putting a SIG arm brace, and there was some rogue U.S. attorney, you know, in Chicago or somewhere that said, "Ah, we're going to go after somebody." I think that case is is a is a slam dunk winnable case. Um, Shockwave, I'd really like to talk about because obviously it's a new it's a new gun. Everybody likes it. Uh, Mike, you got ten in stock. I'm sure that you will sell those very quickly. Uh, also, they're already gone. Yeah, they're already spoken for. I don't know if you told your listeners at the beginning of the show, but you and I had the pleasure of uh, walking the halls of the state legislature with a very nice state trooper uh, with the uh, Mossberg. And I did not feel why we were going to get arrested and prosecuted for it. So, um, Was it loaded? You no, know, and, and that's and that's uh, and in heck, uh, in fact, you know, we even had some. Uh, legislative employees take their picture with it, so that's actual physical evidence that they possess. So, so I don't know that the, that the realistic threat of prosecution is is out there. However, I think that it is because keep in mind, Texas has eighty thousand police officers. Uh, they have over twenty six hundred law enforcement agencies, and of course, there are district attorneys' offices in two hundred in all two hundred fifty four counties in Texas. And that's a lot of folks with a lot of power that could disagree with our opinions. And the only way that you could officially tell somebody this is a 100% legal weapon in the state of Texas is if the legislature amends uh, 4601, the definition of short barrel firearm, to just simply insert the same words from the federal statute that is designed to be fired from the shoulder. And I think that would make everything perfectly okay. So and, and yeah, and I did actually, I, Edwin. I didn't tell tell the the listeners that that we yes, I actually did get a chance to take the Mossberg uh, shockwave to the Texas Capitol. And the funny thing about the Texas Capitol is they actually have a policy, some kind of policy, where they don't allow long guns on the property. And even though the Texas law it's totally legal, but for some reason they will not allow anyone to carry a long gun on on, on the property. Is that correct? Good good thing you guys didn't bring a long gun. So, yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. So, yeah. So what I did was, well, you know, I walked up, you know, walked up to the building and it was funny because I, I stopped off at, at uh, Janai's place first. And so when I walked, you know, because I'm out of shape. So when I walked across, you know, down the street a little ways, 
And I walked to the building. I was actually sweating. And when I walked inside, I'm, I'm, I'm standing there. Because you were nervous, man. You no, were nervous. No, I wasn't. It's just it's, I always sweat. <laughs> if you've been around me for, for five minutes, you know I sweat a lot. So you know, I walked into the building, and I'm standing there at the, the entrance there. And I give them my, my handgun license. They swipe the license. And, and then I say, oh, also, uh, I'd like to speak with a supervisor. Because I just wanted to make sure that they knew that I had that, you know, long gun in the building because I didn't want someone to see us with the long, you know, with that, well, with that Mossberg. And I'm calling it a long gun. You're just but trying that, to start some trouble. Well, I wanted to make sure that if anyone saw us with that, you know, that everything was okay. I didn't want, you know, SWAT or anything like that to be called in <laughs> on us. You know, we pulled that sucker out in the office somewhere and, and some anti-gunner passes by and sees that in the door and just, you know. Anything had happened. So I asked for the supervisor. <laughs> <You get tackled. laughs> I asked for the supervisor when I got to the front door there. And so the trooper, he they were really nice. You know, they really were. They, he, of course, he turned on his camera, uh, which I, I, I thought that was kind of funny, too. Uh, but he was super nice. And they called the supervisor. The supervisor came down and asked me, well, do they know you're coming with this? I said, yes, they do. And, he, and they were telling me that, well, you do know that you're not allowed to have that on on the grounds, let alone in the building. And I said, well, um, I didn't argue with her. I didn't say anything. I didn't give him a response because I know what the Texas law is. So I said, well, I'm you know, here to take this to state representative so-and-so, so-and-so's office. So then he said, okay, well, I tell you what, you know, I'll go with you. I said, okay, great. So then, you know, he took it and came with us to the office there. And when we got to the office, you know, he just asked you, well, you, you guys do know that he was bringing this? And they said, yes. And they were so busy trying to, like Edwin said, uh, take pictures of it with themselves, you know, in the building, you know, and they didn't even pay too much attention to him. And then he left out, he went, and then I was fine to walk around the entire building with it after that. So, but, um, yeah, so the Mossberg shockwave. All right. So Edwin, uh, under federal law, you know, this, and it's, there's a lot more to this than what we're telling people. There's a, it's, it's really in depth because in the federal law, it's, it's okay. Because, and, and Edwin was telling us about this, and I'll let you tell us that, Edwin, but under the state law, you know, there's a problem with it under the state law because of the, the size, the length. And because of that, you know, we are working with the state legislature. We have less than 30 days to try to um, get something added on the floor to get this passed where we can actually have it legal in Texas. And, and it's looking pretty good. It's looking really good, and I, this, that's breaking news for anyone that's out there that want to know. You know, this is something, you know, thanks to Texas and U.S. Law Shield, who actually wrote um, the language in the floor, amend, uh, the floor amendment uh, that actually will change that law, which will allow the state law to come online with the federal law. Is that right, Edwin? That's correct. And uh, fortunately, I don't think that there's really that there shouldn't be any opposition to it. Um, you know, if if the person carries it or amends it the way, you know, the person that we think is going to do it, um, obviously, they are a tremendous uh, supporter of the folks who usually turn out against firearms uh, laws in the state of Texas. And um, like I said, I don't think that there will be it because if you default and a lot of times they you know a lot of times the arguments for the anti-gun folks are like uh they will follow the logic of well if the federal government does it then texas should do it too and so once you say look atf's examine this they say it's a perfectly 100 percent legal weapon you know why would the great state of texas stand in the way of some of its citizens getting a shotgun that's built right here on texas soil um, I think it's a very, very persuasive argument. I would expect that amendment to pass 
uh, with almost 100%. So, and, and like I said, the only, the only, only reason why this is even controversial at all is the absence of, of a certain amount of clarity in the Texas definition of short barrel firearm. So if that's fixed, I think everything will be everything will be hunky dory, and there won't be any issues. Now, you now I will say that with the with the federal government, one you know, I know the ATF does a lot of things that we don't like, and I know that the ATF has a bad reputation. However, I think that there may be several folks in the. I think it may be a, an institutional thing where the ATF maybe is not as anti-firearm as we you know would like to think it is because you know i don't want to you know i don't want to jinx anything i don't want to throw anything out there but it you know the atf could have taken a look at this and made the exact same determination uh with this that they did with the street sweeper mm. you know they could have said yeah street sweeper is a 12 gauge shotgun yeah it shoots shotgun shells uh, but we find it's a destructive device because it has no sporting purposes. So, I, I, honestly, I think know. this is going to be a, a good firearm for uh, law enforcement, you know, to have in their vehicle, you know, because they, they're going to have their AR in one location of the vehicle. And they can have the, the shotgun uh, really up close right next to them in the vehicle because of the length of it. So I actually think this is, a, you know, a great tool for law enforcement. So I think they will actually like it. Yeah, no, it's a fantastic, very practical weapon um, for, you know, for, for defense. Uh, and so I'm all for it. But like I said, it, it was um, back in 94, you know, the ATF made their decision that street sweepers uh, had no sporting purpose. Uh, because if you look at the definition of destructive device, all shotguns, um, well, 12 gauges and, and uh, 10 gauges, uh, are destructive devices. They shoot a round that is larger than a half inch. And so it's just sort of by, you know, by by the ATF determining that shotguns have sporting purposes, uh, that all shotguns are not considered destructive devices. But in that case, they were like, these street sweepers are horrible, they're evil, uh, ATF needs to declare it. So, you know, it's very possible that there could have been an anti-shockwave lobby that would have lobbied the ATF to do the same thing. They didn't. Uh, ATF had it within their power to do that, uh, but I think it's fantastic that they didn't, and there's no reason the state legislature can't get on board also and let Texans have these. All right, so we come back, Edwin. I'm going to ask you uh, a, a question because uh, Justin mentioned something earlier. He said that, well, you know, what if they had a, you know, what if you had a, what, a, a, what, type, of, what type of gun, any pistol, and you shouldered any pistol? Um, well, yeah, I brought that up earlier, but what I was saying is the ATF uh, determines they, – they classify items. They don't classify acts. Okay. All right, so we'll, we'll get into that with Edwin when we come back from the break because uh, there, there some other people online, you brought that up too, and I kind of like you to address that, Edwin, because they're saying that, well, you know, if I take a pistol and I shoulder a pistol and fire that – you know, they didn't think the ATF would try to prosecute them on that. So we'll talk about that on the other side of the hard break there. We're talking with Edwin Walker with Texas and U.S. Law Shield. And we're talking with the Moss, talking about the Mossberg 590 shockwave. Uh, it's made in Texas, but illegal to possess in Texas. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk. This is Brittany Glaze, and I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It.
keep up with the latest headlines from Austin and beyond on the all-new Talk1370.com. Stay informed with the latest news, weather, contests, and more. It's all just a click away at Talk1370.com. Just one more way to stay connected with Talk 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. We're talking all things firearms. Now, here's Michael Cargill. Now it's time for GGN, Global Gun News. Global Gun News, sponsored by Central Texas Gunworks, the largest online gun store in Texas. In the news, Air Marshal forgets. On a Delta flight just a couple of weeks ago, a federal air marshal made a mistake that could have cost people their lives, as well as started a catastrophic incident aboard a flight leaving from england to new york an air marshal left her service weapon in the plane's bathroom before retiring to her seat it was only retrieved and returned to her after a passenger discovered it and gave it to a delta employee worse still the incident was not reported to the air marshal's supervisors craig sawyer a former marshal himself commented that quote you can't have inept people leaving weapons in a lavatory. If someone with ill intent gets a hold of that weapon on an aircraft, they are now armed, end quote. This is not the first embarrassment for the service or for the company. In years past, the TSA, parent agency to the service, has of course been under scrutiny for its blatant acts of discrimination, objectification, and unprofessional behavior. Specifically, Inside the Air Marshal Service, it was only two years ago that a decision was made for Agent Robert McLean, whose crime was leaking information to the press that the agency was planning to cut back on the amount of air marshals in the sky. And, of course, Delta and United have had its recent troubles with released video recordings of a removal of passengers from aircrafts this month. Dallas Man Makes Terrorist Threats against police. A 23-year-old man was charged with terroristic threats and unlawful possession of a weapon after being discovered outside a police substation. After officers discovered an erratic individual outside the station, they told the man to park his vehicle and went to investigate. Shortly after they discovered the man had put on a Guy Fawkes mask and had two pistols on his person and made some vague threats to start shooting. Luckily, no one was injured in the event, and no shots were fired. Deputy Chief Albert Martinez, in an interview, said, Well, I'm greatly concerned because what we're seeing, at least from our standpoint, is the abnormal it seems to be becoming the normal, where uh, off officers are being targeted, stations being targeted. It was less than a year ago that the Dallas Police Department was ambushed by a mass shooter who killed three officers that belonged to the same substation. And only months ago, another substation in that area was targeted by gunfire. New Jersey drops ban on stun guns. New Jersey's attorney general has officially stated that he will be lifting the state's ban on stun guns after a legal settlement with a group of gun right advocates. The U.S. District Judge filed a consent order earlier this week directing the state to create new regulations that are, quote, consistent with public safety and the Second Amendment, end quote. The lawsuit 
began with Mark Cheeseman along with the Second Amendment Society, challenged the law restricting anyone aside from police to carry a stun gun, saying it was unconstitutional and violated the Second Amendment. The president of the Second Amendment Society stated that the ruling was a win for gun rights and only minors, people with serious criminal records, and the mentally unfit would be prohibited from now on. Shots over $2. That's right. Friday afternoon, 36-year-old Ryan Thornhill walked into Giant's Barbershop in Mount Dora, Florida, and demanded a $2 haircut. After an employee told him no and sent him on his way, Thornhill, who looked intoxicated according to patrons of the shop, came back with a firearm and fatally shot the employee. After the murder, the customers at the shop banded together and took down the shooter, holding him until police arrived. They're very nice young men that are trying to do the right things and make an honest living. The suspect was arrested and is being held without bail for assault and first-degree premeditated murder. And that is your Global Gun News Report for 2017 Spring. <laughs> All right, so we're back and we're talking with Mo- about Mossberg. Talking about the Mossberg 590 shockwave. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to interrupt you, man. Hold on, hold on. Apparently, we're having requests that our camera over here uh-huh. doesn't show any of us males. Cause just because we're not good looking enough. And, no, you're not. You know, we're, we're positioned poorly, so... I think we should put the camera right here in the middle of the table <laughs> and just face it this way. You know what? I agree. I, th- I think that I, works great. May, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe the next show or something we'll consider. Yeah, it. we'll do that. We'll do that. <laughs> and, and you know, Edwin, um, I don't think you've had an opportunity to meet uh, our, uh, one of our co-hosts here, Janai. Uh, she's my my cougar. Um, Edwin doesn't like to drive all the well, way. Well, Edwin here. is. You're not married, are you, Edwin? Oh, <laughs> no, I'm not. Oh, well, okay. see, see, he needs to come in studio. See, and I again. asked the and I and, and come in need, studio. I asked the correct question. I asked it the right way. So Edwin's not married, so therefore I can introduce uh, Janai to Edwin. You, you, any objections to that, sir? <laughs> He's over there looking at me really mean. Right now. <laughs> He's about to jump getting, across the table, man. I'm getting these nasty looks right now. See? You know that shockwave is not loaded, so you might want to watch out. <laughs> All right, so uh, Edwin's talking to us about the Mossberg shockwave. Uh, Edwin's with uh, Texas and U.S. Law Shield, and Edwin says this is a complicated area of the law. You know, it's really complicated because there are a couple different issues involving uh, the Mossberg shockwave. One, under the federal law, um, the ATF says, hey, it's uh, it's legal. But, you know, in the gun store, when we sell this sucker or transfer it to someone, you know, I do have to give them a warning because in the Texas law is actually prohibited and it's actually considered other on the 4473. So it's not, you know, considered a shotgun is actually an other. And, and, and so, Edwin, why is this complicated? Why is the Mossberg 590 shockwave so complicated? Well, like I said, it all goes back to the definition. Um, yeah, and, and I think that if somebody was charged, and also the discretion that police and prosecutors have. So if somebody carried, let's say that they went out and they, they came to your store, they bought a Mossberg shockwave, they were all happy with it, they took it back to their home, which is in you know deep east Texas. Well, I guess it could be in deep west Texas. So either deep East Texas, deep West Texas, 
uh, they get stopped for speed. They got in the front seat of their car. They get stopped by speeding by Reserve Deputy Constable Bubba, who has never heard of the Mossberg Shockwave. He doesn't have access to the Internet, not on gun forums. And He's Edwin, never heard and, or and, seen one of these. And Edwin, make sure you're standing in a good, clear spot so because we, we, you're going in and out on us just a little bit. Okay. I, I've been sitting in the same chair the Are whole you? time. Okay. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes. Okay, yep. that's good. Okay, so they get stopped by the uh, Reserve Deputy Constable Bubba, who's never seen Shockwave. He's got no idea what it was. But he looks at it and he's like, well, what does that thing shoot? Well, it shoots 12-gauge shotgun shells. Well, uh, I read Texas Penal Code 4605. Texas Penal Code 4605 says a person commits an offense if the person intentionally knowingly possesses, manufactures, transport, repairs, or sells any of the following items, unless it's registered with the National Firearms Registration Transfer Record maintained by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, or is classified as a curial relic by the United States Department of Justice, if it is C, a short barrel firearm. Uh, and then he says, so let me see your tax stamp on that. You know, <laughs> I don't have a tax stamp. ATF says that they don't issue a tax stamp. And uh, then they prosecute you. And the prosecutor is going to say, well, let's take a look at the definition of short-barreled firearm. And whenever they look at the definition of short-barreled firearm, they are going to see that it says short-barreled firearm means a rifle with a barrel length less than 16 inches or a shotgun that shoots shotgun shells. So, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, we all know that shotguns shoot shotgun shells. This shoots shotgun shells. Therefore, it's a shotgun. And it is short-barreled firearm if it has a barrel length of less than 18 inches or any weapon made from a shotgun or rifle, if it is as altered, has an overall length of less than 26 inches. So they're going to say, the, so the jury charge, the jury's going to be given, is they're going to say, did you possess a short-barreled firearm without having NFA paperwork? And in the jury charge, it's going to define short-barreled firearm as a shotgun with a barrel length of less than 18 inches. And they will stick a dowel rod down the uh, Exhibit A, which is your Mossberg, and they will show that it is 14 inches. Mm. And so it will be up to the jury. Of course, you will argue, look, it's impossible to get NFA paperwork because the ATF doesn't issue NFA paperwork. Therefore, it's, we have the defense of impossibility. It would have been impossible for me to uh, have this registered as an, as an NFA item by the ATF. And then the jury will go back and they will deliberate. And they'll either say, you're right, it's impossible, therefore he's not guilty of this crime. Or they will say, by God, nobody brings a shot or shotgun into this county, and they will convict you. So <laughs> that's what makes it complicated. I have a hard time seeing that happen in Texas, though. <laughs> well, maybe Austin. Travis County uh, could happen here. But that's well, Texas <laughs> got, what, 28 million people in it? Mm. And like I said, 78,000 of those are police officers. So yeah. I'm not saying that it's likely. I'm not saying that it's that it's good or proper or that it would be a responsible way to use the state tax resources, or the county tax resources to prosecute people. But when you're looking at this through the objective lens and you ask the question, is it possible to be prosecuted for this? The answer is yes. Is it probable? No, but it is possible. Okay, so I got a question uh, from online, Edwin, for you. It says that, can we make a video shooting a factory-built AR pistol that came with a brace off the shoulder, you know, just to stir the pot and make heads explode? <laughs> sure, you can make that video. And I think that video would be fine. I don't think it would get anybody in trouble. I think it would be perfectly fine uh, to do that. Okay. 
All right. Any other questions out there? Ask away. <laughs> so, Janai, what do you think? What do you think about it? Are you, you ready to get one of these for your home? Uh, for my home? For yeah. The car. Oh, for the car? <laughs> yeah, man. Strap that bad boy right there in the side. I hate to test the law because I always tend to not be as polite as I should be probably mm. and i'm afraid i would antagonize so you get a little snippet I, I do. <laughs> so. So, so in other words you get the ticket <laughs> no i don't i don't in other words you talk back <laughs> is that what you're saying to me right now i do i do often and so i would be afraid for that reason it is cool looking i have to admit and so this is not one that you're going to have in your vehicle no i do need another gun but no it won't be that one. Oh man but it looks fun. I would certainly go, you know, to the range or something. And, and All right, so we'll have to try it at the range one day. We'll test it for well, sure. Let's go. We'll, we'll head out to the range. Uh, the Part two of this video, we'll be at the gun range. <laughs> let's go, man. And we'll video it. I'm down. Yeah, we'll video it for everyone uh, at our undisclosed yeah, I location. Think, I think Mossberg... Oh, if I could just interject, I think Mossberg uh, has got a, uh, you know, they've got a hit on their hands. Um, we get this, who knows, the, the, you know, this ambiguity in the law may actually add some of the, uh, you know, add some sort of renegade factor to it that may actually boost sales. Yeah, and just so people know, you know, what we said earlier, uh, we are working on an amendment uh, to to offer it to the floor to actually change the Texas law, to bring Texas law online with the federal government so this shotgun will be legal in Texas. So, And thanks to uh, Edwin Walker with Texas and U.S. Law Shield, you know, we're able, we're, hopefully we're going to be able to do this. And, and it's, it's looking really good. And so like I'm telling my customers, because these things are coming in like, like hotcakes, uh, and a lot of gun stores are not accepting them. They're, you know, uh, there's some manufacturers that are in Texas will not even ship them to Texas. Uh, so, I mean, some other, I'm sorry, this distributor, sorry. Some other distributors won't even, you know, ship them to Texas. So I'm telling people, hey, when you, you, you come in to get one of these things, just keep in mind that, hey, you, you might want to, my suggestion for you, because I can't give you legal advice. I'm not an attorney, but I, I suggest that people leave it in the gun store. Uh, that's the best way you know, to do it until this law changes. Uh, if you do take it home, then, you know, you might want to make sure you take it home. Do not videotape yourself with this uh, with this shotgun. Don't videotape yourself with it. Don't post it online or, you know, just be careful with it when you go home and drive straight home. Do not speed. Put your seatbelt on and all that stuff. All your blinkers. Exactly. Put that bad boy in your safe and lock it away. Man. Yeah, because I hate for anyone you know, to be the test case. You know, I'm surprised Mossberg hasn't um, already got sort of a sort of a, a group that's going around going around trying to get this change because Texas is not the only state that has a similar uh, definition. Because oh, really? When yeah, when the legislature I know Oklahoma for sure doesn't talk about the shoulder issue because when the state said, "Look, we're going to follow the federal law uh, in determining rifles and shotguns," the only thing they focused on was the barrel length and the overall length. They, they it, I guess it just didn't even occur to them that saying that something that is, you know, a, a long gun or you know, rifle or shotgun is something designed to be fired from the shoulder. Uh, I think they just sort of took that for granted. And so a lot of state definitions focused just on the length requirements uh, and forgot the shoulder requirement. And so, um, you know, te Texans aren't going to be the only ones with this issue. Uh, so, you know, so if you buy one of these, even if Texas changes its law, uh, if you want to travel out of state with it, 
which you know you, you would otherwise be 100% legal to do, be sure and check the state laws of any state you're going to travel to to make sure that it is not a, a uh, short barrel firearm under their state's laws. That's why I tell people, if you're going to travel around, and period, you need to become a member of Texas Law Shield, and you need to contact them and find out you know, how you're going to be able to carry that firearm, whatever firearms you're taking in that particular state. So you make sure you don't come back, you know, in handcuffs. So then that I, I cannot stress that enough. And Edwin, Edwin, I got a couple questions for you. Uh, Manny says, uh, so although the shotgun is in a gray area, can we still buy it? And he said he'll sit in the safe until the law gets clear. Well, unfortunately, 4605, again, that's the that's the that's the actual law that's been that, that you'd be prosecuted for, which is. You know, sort of on a side note, just you know, giving people a little insight into the legislative process, uh, the amendment that we're seeking to have this definition attached to is an amendment dealing with 4605. And then, they, you know, there's the one-issue rule, and so you have to make sure that your amendment is related to whatever the bill is. And since uh, since the, the House bill that would alter the um, you're saying basically it's a bill that in anticipation of the feds removing silencers off of the NFA list, uh, then an amendment to 460, uh, an amendment, amended language to 4605 would also take silencers off of the Texas prohibited list. So, so if you are prosecuted for this possession of a Mossberg, you'll be prosecuted under Texas Penal Code 4605. And 4605 is written in the most broad sense possible in that there are basically five ways to violate it. Possess, manufacture, transport, repair, or sell. So if Texas really wanted to uh, stick its foot into some bad business that it would not want to do, uh, they could go down and round up everybody who's manufacturing it down in Eagle Pass. Mm. Uh, And that would be really, really bad. Uh, I think that there is a 100% chance that that will not happen. Uh, So I don't want to scare anybody. But like I said, 4605 says you're in violation if you possess it, manufacture it, transport it, repair it, or sell it. All right. Now, I got got another question for you. Uh, I'm going to ask you about that here in a second, too. Uh, Jim Phipps says, how do you carry it in a holster if it is a handgun, so to speak? The same is with pistol with a SIG brace. But it's not a handgun, and that's that's the sort of the you know the, there are several different classifications as firearms, um, and it's just like uh, but who was it earlier in the show? Uh, David, I guess, said that the ATF says it's a firearm, and and he's correct. That's what you can either be you know your rifle, your shotgun, your handgun, or you're just a firearm, um, or I guess you could also be a destructive device. Uh, like the street sweeper. But that's why they said, look, it, it meets the definition of firearm, doesn't meet the definition of handgun, doesn't meet the definition of shotgun. Uh, therefore, we really don't know what it is, so we're just going to call it a firearm. Hmm. So because a handgun is specifically uh, includes in its definition a, a firearm that is designed to be fired with one hand. Um, I believe, you know, I, I, I would love to see a YouTube video of somebody firing that with one hand. Okay, so for my for my FFL dealers that are listening, uh, when they're on you know page two of the forty four seventy three, and their option is handgun, long gun, or other, they should check other. Yes. Okay, and then when they're on page 
three of the 4473. Um, then, of course, manufacturers, Mossberg, the model, we know that, the serial number, the type, because your choice is there. Um, your type is going to be shotgun. Correct? Well, guess it shoots shotgun shells, yes. Okay. All right, so we just want to make sure we're clear. So type is shotgun, and then, of course, the caliber is 12-gauge. All right. <clears throat> All right, so that, that helps out our, our FFL dealers out there. And now go back to what you said, what you were saying there uh, before. You said even sell. So what about FFLs? Are we in trouble? Well, I like I said, I think that you have a great defense, the defense of impossibility. If you're like, look, in, in which for FFLs, I think it's even tighter um, because FFLs say we comply with federal law. Federal law says we can sell this. Therefore, you would have an impossibility defense. You might even have a supremacy clause defense uh, to say, look, you know, we, we sell what the ATF tells us we can sell. We're in compliance with the federal law. Therefore, uh, we are we are not in even if we are in not compliance with state law, um, we still can't be prosecuted. Uh, I don't think it would happen. Um, I certainly wouldn't um, you know, wish it to happen. Uh, the only good thing about people being charged and there being case law created is that if you have good facts, perhaps you make good law. Unfortunately, if you got bad facts, you can you run the risk of making bad law. But uh, but otherwise, I think that you can sell this with the peace of mind that you will not be in trouble. Um, I think it would be a lot of bad press for whatever police agency and or and uh, prosecutor's office would try to prosecute this. Um, but like I said, if you just read the straight statute. You just judge your conduct by the wording of the straight statute. Uh, those are the five things that can get you in trouble whenever you are dealing with the, something that some police or prosecutor says, this is a short barrel firearm. All right, so I got a question. Tony, Tony says, what happens if someone tries to put an angled or vertical foregrip on that? Uh, I, don't think that that, I don't think that that alters it. Um, there's a lot, and certainly the angled, I don't think does. Um, the ATS already ruled that angled foregrips do not turn, um, do not turn weapons into, uh, AOWs or short-barreled weapons. Uh, there's actually a ruling on that. I forgot what accessory that is. I just, it just isn't coming to me right now, but there's a company that makes an angled foregrip. Uh, they do have approval for it from the ATF. They said it doesn't alter the, uh, Firearm to recategorize it. Uh, vertical vertical foregrip, different case. Put a vertical foregrip on your Glock, you've made it into an AOW. I don't think that that would be the same with this because, like I said, I, I think that the whole classifying it as a firearm thing, you can get away with it. Because clearly it's designed to be fired with two hands, um, and that's, that is the, that's the key part that would make putting a vertical foregrip on your Glock uh, an alteration of it because now you have specifically altered it to be fired with two hands that the Mossberg clearly is designed to already be fired with two hands. So I do not think that the vertical foregrip thing would be an issue. Didn't you see Terminator? <laughs> Actually, that is exactly mine when I saw that. Um, because he, he was certainly that, shooting I, with one hand. Yeah, I, well, that was whenever he's much um, bigger than me. <laughs> whenever, well, whenever. No, I'm not talking about the Terminator. But if you go back and watch the original Terminator from 1984, yep. Um, uh, the uh, oh, what the hell is his name? Well, it was Schwarzenegger, oh, right? Or was it the cop that had it? 
No, no, no. Uh, go back to Terminator number one. Uh, the guy he's looking for, John. 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 John Connor. John Connor. Well, yeah, he was the kid John at Connor. the time. There you go. Thank you. Yes, if you go back to ter- first Terminator, nineteen eighty four, John Connor time transports himself back. Uh, first thing he does, well, second thing he does, I guess, he steals the bum's clothes, finds a shotgun, takes hacksaw, cuts off the stock, uh, puts a string through it so he can carry it over his shoulder, hidden under the coat that he's stolen from the homeless guy. Mm. So, and that's actually the first thing I thought about whenever I saw it. I don't know whether it's just, you know, I think it may be because I actually saw the first Terminator again a couple of weeks ago, but... I was like, hey, that is a more stylized version of the gun that John Connor used in Terminator. All right, so uh, so Edwin, can you can sum this up for us in a minute? Anything you want to tell – you want everyone to know about this, this Mossberg? Because uh, we have one minute left. Okay, the Mossberg looks like a great gun. I think it's got a lot of practical applications. I don't find it to be – I don't think that any, that any state legislator will have any objection to amending the law. Um, I don't even know that – you know. A, a prosecutor would take the case of prosecuting somebody with a shotgun uh, with a shotgun. You look at the straight language of the Texas Penal Code. Does that shockwave uh, meet the definition of short barrel firearm? I think it does because of the absence of the shoulder language. Um, are short barrel shot possessions of short barrel firearms prosecutable under 4605? They are. So technically, I think that it could spell trouble, but as a practical matter, um, you know, I, I think that it's a, I think that it's a, a fine firearm. ATF agrees. There's no reason that the state legislature shouldn't also agree. And it's not just Texas we're worrying about. There are other some other states out there that you know, if you're listening, you and you're uh, you're not in Texas, you're somewhere else. You might want to check with your local your your state law to make sure that this firearm is actually legal in your state as well. Correct, and it's all because of that shoulder language. Um, most states wrote their short barrel firearm definitions based upon barrel length and overall length. Uh, they forgot about the shoulder stuff. So if your state definition, of whether it's short barrel shotgun or short barrel firearm like Texas, check to see if it's got that shoulder language like the federal definition does. All right, thanks a lot, Edwin Walker with Texas and U.S. Law Shield. And as always, more guns equals less crime. Go out and buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. You can keep your change. Check in and stay up to date all day long. In the car, on my way to work, heading home. Listening online keeps you in touch while you work at Talk1370.com. Get it right now. Talk 1370. Anywhere I need. The right choice. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.